Welcome to Aviation United by Aviation Zero. I'm delighted to be chatting with energy worker, author, teacher, certified mindfulness meditation instructor, certified feeding your demons facilitator, and mom of three, Lisa Erickson. A very good day to you, Lisa. How are you getting on? I am great. How are you today, David? Wonderful. So we crack on with this normal question every podcast we do. So where are you right now on planet Earth? I am in Redondo Beach, California, which oh, nice. is a suburb of Los Angeles. Oh, sounds yes. very, very, very nice. I'm going to ask you, obviously, the, the typical weather questions. What's it like at the moment? Because it's freezing here in Ireland. It's really cold. So make me jealous. Make our listeners okay, jealous. well, it's cold for us, but that's like mid-60s. So 60s is uh, Fahrenheit, of course. So for okay. us. <laughs> <laughs> well, 66 is good for us anyway. Cloudy. Yeah, it's a little yeah. cloudy. It's like similar to like the Baywatch type of thing. Like, you know, it's not weather. quite Baywatch, but I am near the fairly near the ocean and it very lucky to live near the ocean. And yes, although I am in L.A. County and we're under very strict COVID restrictions right now. So we're not supposed to be out walking around because oh. we've had a very big surge here. So, yeah. Oh, dear. And is there any yeah. have they told you how long you'll be in, in lockdown through Christmas? Oh, through wow. Christmas. Right. Yeah. So we're not supposed to see not everyone is doing it, but we're not supposed to be seeing anyone other than our immediate household. So we'll see how it goes. Well, I'll ask you, Jenny, um, tell us a little bit about, about your background. Yeah. So I am, well, as you said, an energy worker and an author, and I work with people one-on-one and in workshops on healing. It, I'm really a kind of almost like a counselor, but I've specialized a lot in individuals who've experienced abuse, sexual abuse, domestic abuse, and violence. I work mostly with women, but I do also work with men around those themes And the kind of work that I do, it isn't your traditional therapy counseling. I incorporate a lot of meditation and guided energy center meditation and contemplations to help individuals to heal from the trauma of having been in an abusive situation. Kind of kick it off from my own you know, understanding. I mean, what, what is domestic abuse? You know, what's domestic violence? Are they the same? Are they different? Or they are in most cases used interchangeably. So for example, here in the States, some States use the word domestic abuse in a, in, in a legal context and define it. And some use domestic violence and they're, they're pretty interchangeable. So you, you don't find a universal differentiation between one versus the other. And at a legal level, they are considered the same thing. And from a legal perspective, in terms of what is incriminating, it is physical violence, uh, encroaching on someone's physical at any level, right? But we recognize from a therapeutic perspective, a psychological perspective, there's a lot of other kinds of abuse, right? It's not just physical. Someone could be mentally and emotionally abusive in a way that is extremely harmful, controlling, and disempowering. So how then do you recognize that you're in this kind of abusive or, or, I mean, I suppose if it's physical, you'd have a rough idea that's a violent relationship, but how would you actually know you're in this relationship? What are the signs? Yeah, you know, even physically it can, so maybe I'll speak to that first, because sometimes it can be very difficult when you're in it to recognize it even as a physically abusive relationship because of the cycle of abuse that often occurs. So maybe I should talk a little bit about that first, if that's okay. Yeah, sure. (laughs) Yeah, because the Uh, Cycle of abuse is very often a relationship starts out often for a very long period of time 
there is no abuse. That's not always the case. Sometimes there may be abusive episodes early on, but often there's not abuse for quite a long time until a relationship has settled into a domestic setting or things like that, or there's tremendous stress. But then once abuse starts, it tends to be cyclical. There's a cycle of abuse, an abusive episode. And then the abuser is very often repentant. And there can be this cycle of saying, it'll never happen again. I just drank too much, I'll quit. Or it's because this happened at work, I'll never let it happen again. And then there can be sometimes long periods of time in which there is no abuse. So in, when that kind of cycle occurs, even when there's physical abuse, it can be difficult for someone to recognize and really name it as an abusive relationship. It's very similar to alcohol or drug addiction, someone will be like, no, I'm going to quit. I'm going to quit for a week. And then they prove that in their mind, that proves to them they're not addicted. Right. But in yeah. fact, it's just a different addictive cycle. So there are different abusive cycles. And in some cases, even when the abuse is physical, someone will keep telling themselves over and over. It's a one-time thing. It's because of this situation or that situation. Then of course, there's also blaming that occurs. It's because I did X, Y, Z. I triggered it. It's my fault, right? Which can also be part of that abusive cycle. Emotional and mental abuse then gets even more difficult to recognize because it isn't physical, but it's if there's constant beratement and there's a constant power imbalance or a constant invalidation of the other person, that is emotional and mental abuse. And again, it tends to run cyclically, but there is never any core healing underneath to what's happened. And of course, relationships can go through cycles, right? You can go through cycles of arguing and fighting or things like that. That's not the same thing as a cycle of emotional abuse when someone is continually and cyclically being disempowered and berated. Is it possible, Lisa, then that the abuser, right, doesn't actually know that they're abusing another person i mean if they were say for yeah. example brought up in a household which was quite exactly. an aggressive household or violent it's quite normal is there any that type of like possibility that the abuser doesn't know they're doing you very often that is the case and this is the reality of abusive households that a very high percentage of in of them the abuser grew up in abusive household themselves so that it, to them it's just simply how relationships are right? And that yeah. is a cultural issue that we have to change, right? We're coming yeah. to understand the cultural implications because we're coming to understand how the trauma, how that impacts the, both the abuser and the abused, right? And how harmful it is in so many ways that impact uh, women and children in particular over time, right? So we're starting to realize we have to change these. So we have to totally redefine relationships. So yeah, very often there isn't a sense. It's just a fight. It's just, I drank too much. It's just, you pissed me off. You, you pushed me too far. There's always, it's, it, it's that is kind of the mental story around it. And then what, what can someone do kind of experiencing um, domestic abuse? I mean, there's a lot of advertisements in Ireland, particularly at the moment, mm -hmm. and they're providing kind of these techniques for individuals experiencing abuse. Like there's like, I think there's a hand movement that if they're talking mm -hmm. to somebody maybe on Skype or Zoom, they're trying to inform them that, you know, I'm, I'm in a bit of bother here, a bit of trouble here. But what can somebody actually do uh, to get help if they're experiencing abuse? Right. So there's help. That example you just gave is really sort of like in the moment, right? Or if you're in a situation in which you can never be alone or you're in a situation where you're being abused, right? Yeah. In the time in different countries, there are code words for 
if you call, right, to being able to signal or like you said, hand signals, things like that, or if you're out in public in a store and you're never away from your abuser. So it's important to try to find ways to gain access to that information. I think more often it's about figuring out, planning a way to get away and finding the support structure to do that, right? And hopefully in the ideal situation, you actually have family members or friends whom you can speak to openly and go to that will offer protection and create that pathway for you. In far too many cases, there's so much secrecy and shame about having been abused that someone will not turn to the people they know. And that continues the cycle of abuse, right? Yes. If, if, you know, you can be in a marriage or a, a partnership that to the external world seems fine. And so there's too much embarrassment and shame around blowing that public image to go to anyone and that keeps that cycle going until it's too late, until some major event occurs, right? So if you don't have someone in your life like that, it's really important to then reach out to professional resources. There are hotlines in every country that are dedicated just to this where you can get anonymous support. So if you can get away at all, they can give you information on specifically where you might go anonymously, who you might speak to, what your legal rights are once you do, how to bring your children with you, what protection will be offered to you once you do that. If you need to go that route, there are hotlines available and it's really important to find those. Is it best then that if you are in a situation that you are being abused, does do you retaliate or or is it best just to say calm wait for the the situation to calm down a little bit and then try to get help i mean it has there been cases in the past where uh the, the the person that's being abused has retaliated and it's escalated into something worse yeah i mean the great majority of domestic violence is male on female so in general uh the male will be stronger than the female that's not always the case obviously yes. right but it's part yeah. of the problem here where we t- and, and, and a, a high amount of abuse does happen under the influence of alcohol or drugs, not all, but it's often a contributing factor. And so retaliation in those circumstances just can be very dangerous, right? Now, obviously, sometimes you're fighting for your life, so you do whatever you have to do, right? You yes. do whatever you have to do in that moment. But otherwise, trying to, in the moment, deflect, hide, get into a safe space, and ride out the cycle of rage, and then get out as soon as you can. You mentioned there, at least with regards to the physical side, obviously men being more physical generally than, than women. So for men that are experiencing uh, domestic violence or, or, or abuse, I mean, what suggestions do you have for them? Because obviously we, we come across as this, you know, kind of macho and yeah. we're probably afraid to speak up or go to family or friends or even go to the police. And um, because stereotypically, maybe if a, man, if a man, I know it sounds quite funny, but if a man was to go to the policeman and say, oh, my yeah. My, my girlfriend or wife is beating me up or something like that. But what, what's generally the, re- the reaction to that? Yeah. And unfortunately, it's usually not, it's still not very valued, right? Although yeah. legally, mm-hmm. legally, it must be taken seriously. So yes. I encourage someone to do that if they possibly can. In this case, however, reaching out to a professional counselor or psychologist or someone like that may be the first recourse to help you navigate the system in that way because you'll be taken more seriously from someone that recognizes that trauma right. uh, and whose job it is to help coach you through the transition. Most individuals need some sort of support or coaching through leaving. The, the psychology between the link between abuser and abuser, it just gets very complicated, right? A lot yes. of individuals who are abused feel guilty for leaving because they really truly believe it's either their fault or that their abuser needs them 
right? Because there'll be this cycle of abuse and then, oh, I need you so much, don't leave me, I'll change. And then abuse and, oh, don't leave me, I need you so much. It's usually a very intense emotional relationship like that. And is there any happy endings? I mean, has there been stories in the past where, or examples in the past where, you know, there has been abuse within the relationship and then they lived happily ever after or statistically, Mm -hmm. no, that doesn't happen? Statistically, it is rare, it is possible. So let's talk about statistically. Statistically speaking, if someone has an abuser profile, unless they get very serious help, they will be a serial abuser in relationship after relationship. And that's why if the first time that you get hit by someone, statistically speaking, the chances are you are dealing with someone who is abuser personality. It's not a one-time event and you have to take it very seriously. Now, that being said, there are abusers for whom their abusive cycles are primarily tied to drug or alcohol addiction. And in those cases, if someone pursues rehab and truly does get clean, right, and is able to maintain that and goes through the growth cycle of that, and then the relationship goes through counseling too, I do know circumstances where the couple uh, recovered from that and totally changed the dynamic of the relationship and the abuser was able to release the abusive pattern. And and when law enforcement gets involved, I mean, will the abuser, if they have been reported, will they be monitored? And will then the, the, the individuals that has been abused, I mean, will their story continue throughout the cycle to make sure they're protected? Yeah, well, legally, yes, that's what should happen. Does it always happen? No, I mean, and this is part of the issue. It kind of depends on the sophistication of the particular police office that you're dealing with and how attuned are they to abuse, how well-trained are they and how willing are they, right, to take it seriously uh, and to intercede. Usually, and this may differ by country, to get permanent protection, you're going to have to file a restraining order or a protective order, right? Otherwise, that individual is not required to stay, you know, a certain, stay away from you, et cetera, right? And that gets complicated if you have children and all these sorts of things. So the level of legal protection that you are offered is, you know, based on what's been filed officially. And then beyond that, it's based on the willingness. And so, I wish it was always universally enforced. It's unfortunately not. And that's why turning to nonprofit and professional organizations and support structures who specialize in this kind of thing can be very helpful. Because then if you're living in say a halfway home that is for those who have been abused, et cetera, that affords you a certain amount. The the long-term effects then of uh, somebody being Mm abused i mean what what are we talking about here i mean you mentioned it because of physical and emotional mm-hmm. and everybody could be quite kind of different of how they recover and um, but what what's the general recovery period from from abuse well it's a trauma you know and when we talk about trauma we often think about we, we talk about thing or ptsd post-traumatic stress disorder right we yeah. talk about war veterans and we talk about people who've been through accidents or natural disasters but living in a especially in a physically abusive relationship for year after years and especially for children a lot of the long term it is like working through trauma so it is often it's individual how someone might react but it can cause long-term shifts in someone psycholo- psychologically Uh, They may have triggers, they may have deep fears and trigger situations in terms of anxiety and depression, etc. When it comes to children, we have a very interesting long term study that was done. It's called the ACE study, A-C-E, Adverse Childhood Experiences. It traced different type, the impact of different types of childhood experiences on children 
and it found for physical, emotional, and mentally abusive homes, children have a greatly increased risk of many kinds of mental health problems later on in life, academic problems, financial problems, all sorts of other things, because that emotional foundation that gets laid literally in our brain, the neuropsychology of our brain, right, is impacted by this trauma. And so it has this, you know, this huge long-term impact. So this is someone, something for, for women who, who, and again, it's not always women, but often is who feel like, no, I need to stay in this relationship for my children. He only hits me. He's providing for them their witnessing of that actually has a long-term impact on their mental health and their even their physical health later on in life. And so it's really important to realize that. So it's, it, it's really a, a healing from a kind of trauma. There's a lot of different pieces to it. Some of it is psychological. A lot of it is, that I focus on is, is learning the skills to work through different types of anxiety disorders that often come out of having lived in fear for so long, right? And insecurity for so long. And so then being in a kind of state of chronic anxiety, learning how to manage that anxiety through different breathing exercises, different things like that. Cause people can literally get to a point where they can't go to a job interview because they're triggered into so much anxiety. And you'd be like, well, why would that be tied to having been in an abusive relationship? It's just getting into this traumatized state of constant chronic anxiety and learning to uh, rewrite that rewrite that in your mind and body to move forward. Can you trust again? I mean, if you've been through, yeah. I wonder myself personally, if you, if I've been through all that and you meet, say somebody down the line. Yeah. Kind of, you also have that doubt in the back of your mind. Did you become more of a protective type of individual that anybody you meet, no matter who it is, you always have that in the back of your mind. Well, I mean, here is the sad truth statistically is that many women end up in multiple abusive relationships. Wow, so okay. that, yeah. So this is because then it's really, you know, I said that uh, abusers are very likely to have been abused as children. Well, women who are in abusive relationships are also very likely to either have grown up in a home in which they witnessed abuse or have been abused themselves, right? So again, that imprinting happens on both sides that, oh, this is just normal relationship. So even though they get out of one, then there's still this sense or some sort of draw on some level or uh, sense of that that's how a relationship is supposed to be. Now, once someone goes through the growth cycle where they feel they really own that they deserve more than that and they attract, they, they want to attract a different type of person, you're right. There's often a lack of trust in their ability to see it. There can yes. be a real sense of, I can't trust anyone and I can't trust myself to judge, especially if they've had more than one relationship turn abusive and it just takes time and it takes the right person but it, it can be done and i have seen many happy endings in that regard just for our listeners know there's two websites so i just want to make sure i have some correct pronunciation uh, chakra empowerment for women.com and the other one is enlightened energetics.com so mm-hmm. what services uh, do these provide i actually read up as well that uh, you, you conduct is it tele seminars as well yeah. Or yeah. Zoom seminars these days. We're all doing right. everything oh, by sorry. Zoom, right? Sorry. 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 <laughs> yeah. I'm so old fashioned. Webinars. Yeah. They used to be teleseminars. Now they're all Zoominars. But yeah. Um, yeah. So I do workshops and I have two books, one on meditation, one on chakra empowerment. Chakras are energy centers in the body and they we can work with them in a meditative way. And a lot of my work is around developing daily self-care routines and tools that help reverse depressive and anxiety patterns that develop as a result of abuse. 
and also to heal those internal, you know, that feeling of I can't trust anyone or I'm not, I don't deserve to be in a loving relationship or no one is ever going to want to be in a loving relationship with me, all of these kinds of things. I think in the moment are just tools that anyone can benefit from. Anyone can benefit from learning some form of mindfulness or meditation. Really what we learn to do is to just rest, whether we're focused on our breath or a chakra, an energy center. We learn to pull our mind back from our thoughts and emotions, which then in our daily life helps us stop the reactive cycle that can happen where we're getting triggered. So this for both abusers and uh, abuse uh, those victims is part of the training. And for those abusers who do go through programs to try to transform their behavior, usually anger management, violence management programs, Mindfulness and meditation is also a part of those programs because of the way that it helps you gain the ability to catch yourself when you're about to go into an old habitual angry reaction. So both for victims and for abusers, these tools are key to transformation. And they're available, the books, I'm just making sure they're on Amazon, is that correct? We have the Chakra yeah. Empowerment for Women is on Amazon, Women's Energetics and the Art of Science of Mediation. So I have them here in front of me, just making sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and they are on the UK, yeah. And actually my publisher, Llewellyn, is really big in the UK in general. So they are on the UK Amazon too, not just the US one. Oh, that's perfect. <laughs> just, yeah. just so you yeah. listeners go to Amazon there, Lisa Erickson, she's three wonderful books there you can get. Can I ask then, in your experience, you don't have to mention obviously names, but can domestic violence and domestic abuse occur in professionals from all industries? Or are we just specific? Because stereotypically, you know when you watch these movies and the movies mm-hmm. you see, you know, the family may not be well-to-do so probably the best way to put it we have the stereotype in our mind that yes usually they're yeah. non-educated or uh, they're yes. unemployed or in your experience is it from any background that people can be abused has been i'm abused? so glad you asked this question it is absolutely every background every income level and you know it's interesting there was this netflix series that had Nicole Kidman and Reese Witherspoon. I'm not sure if it's worldwide or not, Big Little Lies. Oh, we've heard of it, yes. (laughs) Yes, and okay, yes. And this was in a very affluent California community. It was was actually written by an Australian author. Um, And it really, but it really was very true to life in my experience. There is abuse in very affluent communities. There is abuse in all different uh, cultures and ethnicities. Um, because it really is a psychological disorder, <laughs> I think would be the way to put it, right? Yes. In terms of the abusive personality and exists everywhere. Now, what I would say is that we do know that, that incidents of domestic violence go up in a country or a community when they are experiencing financial strain. They go up anytime a community has mass layoffs. And this has been traced in many communities around the world when a particular industry, for example, when the car industry here started going under in Detroit and there were mass layoffs, there was a huge increase in domestic violence. So it is tied to financial strain in a household, right? Right. Uh, And it's right now in COVID, there's been a huge concern about this because children in many places are home from school financial strain, and that does increase the 
possibility that there will be domestic violence. It's interesting you said that because especially with, I know we spoke briefly before we, we started our, our podcast, but, you know, the aviation industry, the trans, uh, transport, tourism and hospitality has been, been devastated by COVID-19. And yeah, it's kind of like you've hit the nail on the head there that, you know, the possibility is that hopefully listeners can listen to this and maybe take something from it that, you know, you're not alone, that these things will happen and may happen and hopefully you can go and get get some help. Yeah, you know, I was just going to mention because I'm actually raised in the Air Force, right? And then um, my father went into commercial aviation. So <laughs> that's not go. in my profile, <laughs> so you wouldn't know that. But I do think, you know, when I look at the military culture and the aviation culture here, and maybe it's true there as well, right? It is very macho. It is very stoic. It is, oh, yes. you know, reality is in those kinds of jobs, there is also a real hesitation to seek help because it can uh, be reflected in your record, right? Yes. And put your job at jeopardy. So this is a huge problem that we don't view these kinds of things as uh, mental health in the same way that we do physical health, that it needs to be cared for. It shouldn't be jeopardizing someone's job, but it does need to be treated and addressed. So I really hope anyone out there that sees themselves on either side of this can find private confidential help in most countries, therapists are bound to confidentiality. And so they are someone you can turn to and it will not jeopardize your job. What about then with a, you mentioned earlier, financial stresses and pressure could enhance the possibility of, of domestic abuse, but what about a life event? I mean, have you ever had a situation where, or a client where there seemed to be kind of a normal relationship, no issues, no problems. And then a life event has happened other than financial stress like maybe a death a bereavement or a divorce I mean can that actually enhance the possibility as well yeah I mean I think what I would say is the potential for abuse is either always there or not right like yeah and then there are different stressors that can trigger it so financial strain is always a big one but fertility issues I've seen really take a relationship over into emotional abuse and I would not say that that caused the emotional abuse. I would say the emotional abuse was sort of lying latent as a potential there, meaning there were issues, there were mental health issues, right, on the on, on the side of one partner. And then the strain of going through that brought it to light. So I think I view it more that any sort of life event could potentially bring it to light, but it's always a sign that there's an underlying mental health issue that needs to be dealt with. Because otherwise, if you view it as situational, you're like, okay, well, now that situation passed, now we're fine. That underlying mental health issue doesn't get dealt with. The next time there's strain, it'll surface again. So you want to really address it as an underlying issue as opposed to situational. You you caught me on uh, by surprise there with regards to your dad uh, in the Air Force. <laughs> was, he flying, was he flying jets or was he in a different area of the Air Force? No, he flew my whole life. Yes, he flew, and he, and he and he was not abusive, by the way. I should oh, mention okay. that in case I applied that. But yes, but I but but I do. But that culture, I very much understand that culture and yes. the fears around you know mental health seeking, and the same with policemen. We have this in many many fields, right? The fear of seeking help because of how it could impact your career. Yeah, it, it's it's true because it, there is that you know the fear that if it does get out. Uh, either yeah. to the company especially now with social media and everything else is that yeah. you're, you're you can't say anything um yeah. for fear of a backlash and yeah. especially if the company finds out because the company finds out then the problems then escalate i suppose so it's yeah it's, it, it really is a tough yeah. one 
So can you tell our listeners? But, yeah. Sorry, go on, Lisa, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, so it is important to recognize that in most countries and states, therapists and healers and doctors are bound by confidentiality rules and they do not have to share that. So you should know, find out is the important thing, right? Find out who's your safe space that you can turn to. Yes, that's good advice. And men, again, I know that there was a, a radio show on here a few days ago and the men were quite upset because the focus was again women uh you know we, we understand the majority of women are uh encounter domestic abuse or domestic violence but there was a, a few gentlemen that were kind of mm. a little bit upset because they had experienced yeah. it well so i want to make that highlight it's- that as well that if you have that issue or a problem you know yeah still get help yeah and in the in the households i've seen that that is also often accompanied really a byproduct also again of alcohol abuse or addiction on the part of the woman right is what yes. it seems to be the most common. So it's combined with other issues. It's frightening. It really is. Yeah. It's yeah. it's um like I talk to you all day. What it, it is, it's frightening. So what what are then the um where can our listeners then get in, in contact with you? I know we mentioned your websites. I mean, mm-hmm. what about your social media? Yeah. So on Facebook, I'm under Chakra Empowerment. If that's a, a new word for anyone, it's C H A K R A Chakra. <laughs> it's uh, that's the <laughs> word for energy centers, right? Which is a certain type of meditation and con- contemplative work that someone can do. Chakra Empowerment on both Instagram and. Facebook. Facebook and I'm under mommy mystic on Twitter. <laughs> mommy, mystic. Mommy? mommy mystic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then from there, you'll find all my various websites because I have a blog and the two websites that you mentioned. And of course the books art and science of meditation and chakra empowerment for women on my website. Both of those books would be more helpful to someone working to heal after having left possibly a relationship they're more geared around that in terms not so much about the advice when you're in it and how to get out so what before we we finish our chat today what last bit of advice would you give anybody final statement to keep in their mind right now that if they're Mm -hmm. suffering from domestic abuse or domestic violence Mm -hmm. what can they do uh don't wait uh don't think it'll pass uh don't think that there's no support or no hope or no help because there is look for it. You will find it. It's out there. There is another side. There is a path through. It's very difficult, but you can get there and you'll have support and you can come out to another life and don't stay for the children because there really is permanent long-term damage that can result from that. I want to thank uh, Lisa for chatting with me today. We'll put, what we'll do is put all the links in with the podcast so uh, the listeners can get in touch with you directly. Okay, so thanks very much uh, to Lisa Erickson uh, for chatting with me today on Aviation Night by Aviation Zero. Thanks, Lisa. Thank you, David, for highlighting this issue. My pleasure. Thank you.